Travels with Charlie is paid for by Jolly Convenience Stores, Mill Travel American Express, and Casella Waste. The views and opinions expressed in Travels with Charlie do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of the Radio Vermont Group. We welcome listener feedback. Email your comments to WDEV at RadioVermont.com. Well, it's all about all the folks you meet. Sitting in a diner or out in the street. Catch up with the news. Get your point of view. I want to hear what unravels. I'll see you in my travel. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Travels with Charlie, your host, Charlie Papillo. Happy to be here with you this afternoon. We'll uh, get moving uh, with the program in just a minute, but uh, before we do move on, uh, certainly uh, just some uh, comments uh, about uh, the passing of uh, a broadcasting legend. You know, anybody that's been in this business uh knew Ken Squire or knew of Ken Squire and uh, just had nothing but good things to say about him. And certainly his passing last week, uh, it it uh, it hits hard. It hits hard with, with many of you. My condolences, of course, to his family. And when you're in this business, you, you have two families. You have your family, you know, your kin, and you have your radio family. So certainly the, the radio world is reeling from his passing. Uh, I never worked with Ken. Uh, I started here, as you know, a couple of years ago and never had the opportunity to actually work on air with Ken. Uh, but uh, my recollection of Ken was years ago when I worked for that other radio station and the Wheels for Warmth program was, uh, was ongoing. And I was there with... Uh, my good friend, uh, Senator Dick Mazza, and, you know, we would always go down and we got to work the grill and we would, we would cook the hamburgs and everything for everybody who would come by to get their tires. And there was WDEV doing their live broadcast. And I walked over just to say hi to, to, to Ken. And I was just so, so impressed that Ken said, uh, you know, hey, Charlie, how you doing? And sit down. Let's, Come on the air with me. Now, for those of you that aren't familiar with the, the whole radio biz, there's kind of, you know, you don't talk with the competition. Uh, the competition doesn't uh, talk with each other. But that wasn't the case with Ken. He 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 invited me onto his airwaves. Uh, we talked. So I had a great admiration for him. And certainly my boss did as well, The Mr. Paul Goldman from uh, the old radio station that I worked for. And I know that they were great friends and they would talk from time to time about radio things and they got along. So uh, an innovator, a creator, uh, unique programming and committed to this community. And you all know that because you've listened here for years. I don't need to tell you that. So my condolences to his friends uh, and his family. And again, that's his kin and those of you that are on uh, his, his radio family. He will be missed, certainly. Great program lined up for you today. You know, this show would not happen without my sponsors. So uh, I do want to thank them. And first and foremost, Casella Waste Systems, Casella.com. Just spoke with a friend the other day, said they got one of those big rollout dumpsters, came to the house. It was like a one-ton dumpster. I'm going, and, you know, a small house, and she filled it. Uh, so if you if you got some cleanup to do, go online, Casella.com. They can help you out. If you're on the road traveling like I am, Jolly Convenience Store is going to take care of you. They've got hot coffee, sandwiches, snacks, ice-cold drinks, fuel for your belly and for your car, and home of the Daily Smile, Milne Travel. When you're traveling... MilneTravel.com. They're going to help you out. We got a busy travel season coming up. We got Scott Milne joining us on the next program on December 4th. We'll be talking with him about JetBlue leaving, Breeze Airways coming in, and more. So, uh, check that out on the next show. That's on December 4th. MilneTravel.com and Myers Bagels. Myers Wood Fired. Now, I got to tell you, you got to go to the, you know, be, become a, a friend on Instagram. If you're not on Instagram, it's Myers Bagels BTV. Because I just found this out the other day. You know, you go there for bagels and delicious sandwiches and things like that. But Sunday brunch, yeah. Here's another reason to go there: a signature surf and turf Bloody Mary with Montreal spice seasoning and. 
It looked amazing. So check that out at uh, Myers Bagels BTV on Instagram. Great show lined up for you today. We've got, uh, uh we're going to be talking with uh, Home Instead, uh, coming on with the, their program called Be a Santa to a Senior. Uh, Jeff Weld will be with us with the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight. Got some, some, uh, recycling tips, uh, for the holiday season. And of course, don't forget our, our green bean casserole question. We ask this every year. It's sort of an informal poll. Will the green bean casserole be making a resurgence at your Thanksgiving table or not this year? Are you a fan or not a fan? That will ask that question to my first guest today. Recently appointed as Vermont's new housing commissioner, won't you please welcome Alex Farrell. Alex, good afternoon. Welcome to Travels with Charlie. Hey, Charlie. It's good to be talking to you. How you doing? I'm doing great, and it's good to be talking with you again. It's been a while since we've chatted. Uh, let's get right into the controversy. I'll, I'll let you seal your fate here. You a fan of green, and I know the in-laws are standing right there, so hopefully it's not in the oven for Thanksgiving, but uh, green bean casserole, you a fan or not, Alex? I, I love it, and I don't think it's going to make it to the table. I'll try to ask my wife to get it there, but I don't think we're going to have it. You're a fan of green bean casserole, and they're not doing it at the in-laws. I love it, but I don't know that I can get them to do it for me. Oh, boy. Well, we'll see uh, how that all uh, all turns out. Uh, we're going to be asking that question throughout the day today. And then you can always join us on phone line here at one eight seven seven two nine one eight two five five and weigh in on that. But let's get into what Alex is doing now. Alex, you got a tough job just recently appointed as housing commissioner and I want to thank you for stepping up and accepting that challenge. I think you've got a you. tough job. It, it's a funny time to be stepping into it. I mean, I, 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 I think that this is at the heart of a lot of conversations happening right now. And I mean, uh, I think it's not just uh, housing advocates. It's not just people who work in housing and homelessness. It's everybody. Everybody's feeling this. And so, yeah, everywhere I go, people want to talk about this. It's not, uh, it's not just folks on the fridges. Everybody's feeling this. And when you think about it, Alex, you, you know, homelessness has, has always been with us, but na- even nationwide, it seems bigger than ever now. Why do you think that is? There were a few factors, but you're right, Charlie. What's fascinating is Vermont actually housed more people out of homelessness in the few years since the pandemic started than in than it had in years before. Thousands of people were rehoused out of homelessness which really is a testament to the governor's investment in it and and how he really has been focused on housing since I think before a lot of other folks were. And what are the what are the explanations? It's hard to say. And Vermont like a lot of other places saw folks lose their homes because there was a financial crunch during the pandemic, there was disruption and uh there's a lot of factors we don't know, but um we know that the rates are higher than ever uh rates of homelessness Vacancy rates are lower than ever, so there just aren't options for people out there. And and as a result, prices are sky high. So the voucher program certainly helped out uh, over the last couple of years, but we found out that it's too costly. Uh, and, you know, Vermont's largest provider of affordable housing, but we have to end it. Uh, federal money is dried up. How do we end that and do it uh I guess, you know, in a in a peaceful manner. You can't just like shove people out and say, you know, you're on your own now. No, that's exactly right, Charlie. It's not an easy answer and I I am lucky that we have a good team over at the Agency of Human Services and Department of Children and Families who is uh rapidly developing a plan to try to make sure folks have options so that as this winds down and as we're trying to pour more resources and focus into building permanent units we're going to give these folks options. Some of that's going to be shelter, some congregate, some non-congregate. That's not ideal, but it does give us a little bit of breathing room so that while we're trying to shift the focus to permanent units, a real place to live, not a hotel room, a real permanent home, well, we can at least find a space for these people in the meantime. That's not ideal, and we do not love that. We don't relish that, but um, we really need to just make this pivot and focus on how do we build more homes in Vermont? I mean, you know, Charlie, you and I are going to be in a nice, comfortable home for Thanksgiving, and there's too many Vermonters that aren't going to be. And it's because of decisions we've made over decades here in Vermont not to build enough housing. Right. And we cannot fool ourselves. They were intentional decisions not to build enough housing. 
Well, we'll get a chance to point some fingers here in just a moment, but let's get into some of the facts as well, Alex. Uh, you know, spending about $70 million annually, that's what Vermont's been doing to, to house the homeless. And, you know, when you, when you take a look at that number, $70 million, I mean, think of what that could, you could spend that on in actually construction costs. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And the, the shame of it is, sure, if, if we had, Billions of dollars flowing in from the feds. Could we? Would we perhaps consider um, continuing this program? Sure, maybe. But even still, we know it's not an ideal living situation for folks, and and it's really been heartbreaking to see that happen. Now, seventy million dollars a year. I mean, just think about, like you said, Charlie. What could we do construction-wise? Well, sure, costs are rising when it comes to some of the traditional methods of building units through some of our nonprofit partners, and just. Uh, across the board, half a million dollars per new unit. That's that's unbelievably high. However, we've gotten innovative lately, and we have the Vermont Housing Improvement Program. This is grants to rehab units or to convert units. Let's say you've got an old Victorian. Instead of that big house just sitting there, one or two people living in it, we can give you grants for up to $50,000 per unit that you're going to create. Chop that Victorian up into three or four apartments, and that's that's bringing units online for thirty grand a piece. Right now, take that seventy million dollars. What could you do? Quite a bit. Boy, that would do a lot. Absolutely. Uh, some of the other numbers that are staggering. Alex Farrell, my guest this afternoon on Travels with Charlie Vermont's uh, new housing commissioner. The state needs uh, about sixty-eight hundred units right now. That's uh, that number. That's a number. That's how do you do that? Yeah, it it's really staggering when you see that. Um, that deficit, that point-in-time deficit, A, it's going to keep growing, um, and B, what we've been producing per year on average in the last handful of years, we've been doing about 2,100, 2,100 units a year. And that's after we've been investing hundreds of millions of dollars. So that's actually an uptick from years, years past. So what does that tell us? Okay, well, that says we can't invest our way out of this. The state does not have billions of dollars. And six to 800 units, that would literally, Charlie, take a few billion dollars. So what do we do? Well, we got to unwind some of these regulatory frameworks that have put us in this situation. And I think you've heard the governor talk about a lot of those over a few, um, well, few of the past years, even yeah. decades. But what's encouraging is more people in the legislature now are agreeing and saying, you know what? Yeah, we do have to do more of this. We did some of it last year with the HOME Act. And a lot of people are saying, hey, that was great. We got to go further. We're farther behind than we thought. So, Alex, uh, you know, people that are staying in a hotel right now, uh, uh, and that number is down from what it was previously, but in April, that program ends entirely. Is what, what happens, uh, in April when that, when that ends entirely? Will they be out on the street? Will they be able to lobby for, uh, an extended stay? What's going to happen to those people? Yeah, so the Department of Children and Families who administers that program is going to have uh, – they're going to be investing a lot of time and resources between now and then in some of their rapid rehousing efforts to help make sure more and more of those folks can get into a permanent situation. Now, some of those folks will be eligible uh, for continued general assistance housing, which is not the same as the pandemic-era program, which is what those folks are administered in. Um, this comes with a little bit more structure, a little bit more opportunities to find permanent housing, a little bit more requirements as far as um, your contributions and the things that you have to do. But uh, while that's happening, they're also working with a bunch of partners to stand up more emergency shelters. And some of those folks, while we'd rather put them in a permanent unit, come April, it, it's looking like we're going to have to help some of these folks find their way to emergency shelters. So um, not ideal. We don't like to see that, but that is going to have to be a stopgap for some of these folks. And we've got some emergency shelters uh, that are in the works right now. We'll talk more about that when we come back right after the break. Alex Farrell, my guest on uh, Travels with Charlie. He's the new housing commissioner here in Vermont. And we'd love to talk with you and get your thoughts. one 291 8255 And we'll do that right after the break right here on Travels with Charlie, WDEV. 
Whether you're traveling for a vacation, planning a business trip, or have a global company looking for a strong Vermont-based company to align with for business and meeting management, Milne Travel is a trusted local partner, and they've been one since 1975. Milne Travel is one of the top travel companies based in New England. Featuring educational tours, vacation travel, or corporate solutions, let their travel specialists search the lowest airfares exclusive to the travel industry for you. Guaranteed. We're all getting ready to travel again. Save time and money on your next trip. Go to www.millnetravel.com. Welcome back. Good afternoon. Travels with Charlie, your host, Charlie Papilla. My guest this segment is Alex Farrell, Vermont's new housing commissioner. We're talking about what's going on with with the housing situation here in Vermont. Uh, Alex, again, thanks for joining me. Before the break, we talked about uh, the hotel voucher program ending entirely in 2024. And uh, the Scott administration wants to build more shelters, more warming-type shelters. Now, in Burlington, the old VFW hall, that is being converted into a warming shelter right now as we speak, is it not? It is, and I think there might be some some more issues to work through. As you know, with all these things, uh, the community always has some concerns, some some valid, and then some, um, you know, I think are things that we need to, to just get past in order to um, get, these, get these shelters online. But ultimately, the goal always is for the state and the Department of Children and Families to work with uh, these communities so that you're not just having shelters pop up where the community's not ready for it or doesn't have services. But the VFW is one of the sites that I know the Department of Children and Families is, is working uh, with uh, with the city of Burlington on. Now, another area in Burlington that there's some discussion on, and that's this has been going on for quite some time, especially since uh, they closed down the Memorial Auditorium in Burlington, and now there's a discussion about making 200 housing units there and maybe even a hotel in there. It was built in 1926 to honor World War I veterans and then closed in 2016 due to some structural issues. Now, one of the things that could be done, uh, certainly it's – not a memorial any longer, but if it were to become 200 housing units, couldn't there be some sort of a memorial to recognize the fact that it was a memorial and it could even be a better memorial than the auditorium was? I think absolutely. What better memorial to those folks than to bring housing to this place and to to the city of Burlington, the state of Vermont, these transformational projects that have the opportunity to bring hundreds of units online these are the projects we've got to find a way to get around as a community and support. We saw how long it took for the, the City Place project in Burlington to really come together and coalesce. And thank goodness we've got some local partners now that are really bringing that project to a, to a good, uh, good result here. But something like Memorial Auditorium, it's a great example of that's a place that right now it's just it's really sad to see. Yeah. It is not serving its purpose as a memorial. And how many how many families would just die to live right there where they could walk to work, walk to school, kids could go right across the street to Edmonds Middle School. It would be an absolutely perfect place for a couple hundred homes. You're so right. And anybody that grew up in Burlington, myself included, uh, it's it's a blight on the on the community. It it needs to be it, to honor the veterans, do something with it, and let's hope that uh, they don't drag their feet as long as they have with the, some other projects. Uh, Alex, uh, as, as we know, more money is not the answer. Uh, you know, the governor's been banging the drum on broadening Act 250 exemptions and helping developers making local development uh, review board process is quicker and easier. He's been doing that. Certain members of the legislature have been on board with that, but they've got some out there that just don't seem to want to bend on this. And we're seeing, as you know, uh, it just takes that whole process to build. Uh, it makes it longer and more costlier. It does. It does. And, you know, here's the thing. We as a state ask communities to step up last year and the Home Act while it made some concessions on the state part, really most of what it did was ask municipalities to take away some of their control and and really ask them to step up. And so now the state really needs to do its part and provide some Act 250 regulatory relief, look at other ways that we can streamline the process. I mean, right now when a, when a housing development gets held up by an appeal, uh, that can add 18, 24 months to a project. 
Can we afford that when we know we've got an emergency right now? You said, Charlie, 6,800 units is our current deficit, and that's growing every day. What, why are we providing these opportunities for these things to not only have to uh, work through this unbelievable set of uh, regulations, and then we're going to provide opportunities for appeals and then let it take months and months, maybe even years? That's never going to allow us to catch up. Well, I'm sure you're not going to, although maybe you will. You know, I'd love to get the, get the scoop here, Alex. Help, help me out. Uh, the, the governor has a, a new housing plan for the legislature to consider in January. Is there anything we, you can tell us about that? We're still working out the details. We talked a little bit about it at a press conference uh, last week, and we chatted a bit with the Joint Fiscal Committee of the legislature. But what I can tell you is you're not going to be shocked by some of the proposals because – they are, A, a continuation of what we did last year. Where can we find areas? And this is what's really important, because I know people get concerned that if we broaden Act 250 exemptions or enable more growth, it's going to change the look and feel of Vermont. But I can tell you this, it doesn't need to. And that's because all we need to do is loosen up where we've got infrastructure, water and wastewater, where we've got zoning, where we already have a built environment, Trust me, there is a lot of opportunity there. It doesn't take that much land to build a lot of homes. So we're going to do some things. I think you'll see that Act 250 will be in the mix. I think you'll probably see some creative um, incentives with taxes to try to um, make folks jump in that wouldn't otherwise. And the idea here is to broaden the base. So it's not just the big developer that's getting in on this and helping us get out of this problem. We're going to bring in the mid-sized developer, maybe even smaller size developers are folks who are just middle-class folks who might fix up a unit, add an ADU to their house, do these little things. And that, when we're all chipping away at it that way, that's how we can close this gap. And Alex, it's, it's not just about, uh, you know, taking care of the homeless issue here in the state of Vermont. Uh, you know, as well as I do and, and others, if you own a business and you've, you've uh, had people apply for a job and they, they come from out of state and they come here and they go, wow, it's beautiful here and what a great job, what a great opportunity. And they go, uh, well, I, I got to go find some housing. And then they come back to their employer and they say, uh, you're not paying me enough because I can't afford to live here on what you're paying me. And it's not, uh, uh, you know, a knock to the employer. It's because housing is so expensive. So building more houses, that's going to bring uh, prices down. And it would, it'll bring rental rates down, too, will it not? It absolutely will. And it'll bring opportunity. We've heard from hospitals where they're trying to bring a doctor here at a very healthy salary. And they say, gee, I'd love to live in any of these surrounding towns. There just isn't anything on the market. So not only will it bring prices to a healthier level, we just need vacancy rates to be back to where people have options. I mean, if you look at some of the uh, opportunities in a place like Rutland or Bennington, where there are structures, they just need to be brought online. And all of a sudden, not only would you have a healthier housing, housing stock and more options, you'd have a healthier-looking Bennington, a healthier-looking Rutland, these towns that we know are beautiful and great and have a rich history, but they just need some help. They need some investment. Well, let's look to those buildings. So let, let's bring those back online. And then not only are you not drastically changing the look of Vermont, you're actually bringing revitalization back to our downtowns and villages. Vermont Housing Commissioner Alex Farrell with me this afternoon on Travels with Charlie. Would the governor have to uh, declare a state of emergency? And my understanding is he could do this and have the National Guard help build temporary housing. This would be, of course, uh, for some of the warming shelters. Yeah, the governor could do that, and it's not something that he's ruled out, and I won't speak for the governor here. It's an option. He does not need to do that. Um, there are other ways that we can make sure that we get shelters online, but um, you know how this governor thinks, and we all know what his um, what he holds dear. And so if we end up in a situation where it is certainly necessary and we need to mobilize quickly, um, the governor would would utilize that as well as a number of other tools. Champlain Housing Trust, I'm sure you're aware, and others are uh, as well, that uh, they received a $20 million, you heard me right, uh, a $20 million gift from Jeff Bezos, ex, uh, his ex. Uh, she's out, uh, you know, spending money. Uh, it's sort of like, uh, you know, when your ex says, I'm going to sell your Ferrari for 10 bucks." <laughs> so she's spreading money around. But $20 million, what will that do? How will that help the uh, Champlain Housing Trust? Well, Charlie, I don't have any exes selling my Ferrari for ten bucks, but uh, <laughs> that's, a, 
But I got to tell you, an organization like Champlain Housing Trust that is mission-driven, that does want to bring you this online, sometimes a gift like that that doesn't come with the same strings as state or federal funds can make a huge difference because when they're trying to make budgets work, they're trying to close gaps, really it's just a matter of timing. And flexible money like that can make projects start quicker because, you know what, some of these funding sources – there's a board meeting once a year, twice a year, and you've got to meet other certain requirements. These folks at CHT, I know, they want to get these projects moving. They want to get people housed now. So during a time like this, we need these projects moving. $20 million, that is fantastic. That helps a lot. Yeah, my understanding is some of that money can help out with uh, with grants uh, for down payments. You know, sometimes people, uh, you know, without that down payment, it's very difficult uh, to get your start. It, it, that's absolutely right. So the down payment is a huge thing because that's how you start building equity. That's where most people's wealth comes from. But in addition to that, some of these folks, if you already own your home, let's say that you have a home and you want to be able to stay in it, but there's just a couple repairs that you just can't quite close the gap on. Organizations like Champlain Housing Trust have programs for that, home repair programs, and that can help you stay in your home that you have now and make sure it's safe and habitable for you and your family. And that's really a great way. If we're talking about preventing homelessness, keeping people in the houses they have, those are the programs that can really make a dent. Alex, thanks for joining me this afternoon. Alex Farrell, the uh, new housing commissioner here in Vermont. Uh, good luck with your with your new job. Uh, like I mentioned, uh, it's a tough one. I uh, wish you all the best, and we'll stay in touch, and hopefully we've got some, some good news when the legislature uh, convenes in, in January, and uh, we, we move onward and upward. I, I hope so, too. Well, happy Thanksgiving, Charlie. Happy Thanksgiving, Alex. I hope you get your green bean casserole. Hopefully your in-laws are listening. And <laughs> give him his I, green I, bean casserole. Come on. My, my wife could hear that. I'll let her know. All right. Alex, thanks for joining me here on Travels with Charlie. Have a good day. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got the uh, Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight. Before we do that, i got to tell you about Myers Bagel Cafe in Burlington. You know, I've been a fan of uh, Myers Bagels for years when they were in Burlington on Main Street and then on to Pine Street. New location now. They're on Shelburne Road. It's 408 Shelburne Road in Burlington. They're called Myers Wood Fired. They've always been wood fired, uh, but the food is fantastic. They've got, uh, well, they, they've got... Uh, along with many, many different types of beer they serve there. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, they're now doing like a Sunday brunch. Check them out on Instagram at Myers Bagels BTV. They're doing an unbelievable, it's their signature Bloody Mary. You know, that's what, what Sunday brunch is all about. Surf and turf with Tito's vodka, Montreal spice seasoning, Bloody Mary, unbelievable. A little shrimp and a little steak in there. Woo! Very nice. Of course, uh, delicious uh, flavored cream cheeses. They smoke their own meats. Montreal style. Uh, wood-fired bagels, hand-rolled and honey-boiled. Located at 408 Shelburne Road in South Burlington. That's Myers Wood-Fired Bagels. Check them out today. Travels with Charlie. WDEV continues right after this. When I'm on the road, I don't have to look very far for a place to fill my gas tank or my belly. Jolly Convenience Stores, with over 40 locations to choose from, makes it easy. Fuel for your car, fresh-made sandwiches, soft drinks, hot coffee, pastries, friendly service, and even creamies. Jolly Convenience Stores supports your community by sponsoring events, veteran organizations, and more. That's why I support them, and you should too. Stop in today. Jolly Convenience Stores, home of the Daily Smile. Back with you. Good afternoon. Travels with Charlie, your host, Charlie Papillo. It's time for the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight and the Director of Communications for Casella Waste, Jeff Weld, joining me on phone line. Jeff, good afternoon. Welcome to Travels with Charlie. Hey, Charlie. How are you? I'm doing great. And, and how about yourself? Here we are. It's just the season, so we've got some holiday recycling tips. And, of course, we'll get into uh, the age-old question. I may have asked you last year, but I forget you can still weigh in on it. Maybe you've changed your mind about uh, the green bean casserole at the table. We'll save that for the end, <laughs> give you a chance to, to think about it, Jeff. So w- holiday recycling tips, and, and help us out because certainly, you know, this is the time of the year. It's like, well, we're, you know, just a little more than a month away from Christmas. But the boxes and the packaging from, you know, thank you, Amazon, 
are arriving at your house probably right now and you've got bubble wrap and packing peanuts uh, in there and you wonder, what do you do with this stuff? Does it all go in the recycle bin? Yeah, I think now is the time, right? We start seeing it right at Thanksgiving where the, the packaging starts to show up and, and um, you know, the, the best advice we can give at this point is, that, you know, don't, don't do things differently just because you have more of it, right? The recycling's recycling and the, and the trash is trash. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of uh, companies are doing a better job with their packaging and, and sending you stuff that is more recyclable than before, the cardboard boxes and um, less plastics in there. But, you know, some of the other ones are, are also trying to disguise some of their non-recyclable packaging as, as recyclable. And, it, and unfortunately, it's just not so... It's really important to to take the time to understand that, you know, we love the cardboard, love the paper, um, but the bubble wrap, packing peanuts are not recyclable, and they, they've got to stay in the trash. So bubble wrap, you know, do what everybody does with it. You, you snap all the – you drive your, your pets crazy with it. Uh, uh, and, and packing peanuts, no, they just don't take them. Now, I have to ask you, Jeff, why not? Because that seems like something that would easily be recyclable. You could, you know, change it, to, you know, grind it up and, and make coffee cups out of it or something. Why not packing peanuts? Yeah, I mean, that's a, a really a, a tough material to, to sort and to, to get in there, you know, bubble wrap. You know, if you if you save enough of it, it's it's ultimately it's film plastic, and if you can find a place to drop it off and they'll take it, then it could be recycled. Yeah. Same with packing peanuts, but in your curbside, it's really just becomes a hazard. Um, wraps around the machinery, um, and, and you know, it's just not something that that is acceptable in curbside recycling. Okay, so let's get into wrapping paper. It's Christmas Day, and you're unwrapping all those gifts, uh, and you've got, uh, you know, bows and ribbons on some of the wrapping paper and opening everything up. Uh, but, again, not everything goes into the recycle bin. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, this is a great opportunity, and even some of the packaging stuff is a great opportunity to uh, exercise your reuse skills. Um, some of those old newspapers and, and um you know, brown paper packaging are, are great and recyclable. Any any of the wrapping paper that's coming that isn't metallic or shiny is going to be recyclable as as any mixed paper. But that coated paper, that stuff that has foils in it or, or glitters and things like that, any kind of chemically altered um, paper that's really um, – not going to be recyclable in, in your in your curbside. So, again, I think we're, you know, we're seeing more and more um, producers of this stuff to really take into account the the end, and, and we applaud that. But there's still some out there that, you know, it's just not recyclable, and, and we, we love to see folks avoid that. Jeff Weld with the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight. Jeff, let's get into some sustainable gift ideas for the upcoming uh, Christmas season. Yeah, I mean, I, I think my, the, the folks that are on my list always sort of, they get the, the new water bottle, uh, reusable water bottle or, you know, tote bag, things like that. Yeah. Um, new tote for their, for their backyard compost to, to put in their, their kitchen. Um, you know, things that are, things that are sturdy, reusable. Yeah. Um, things that are going to have a long shelf life. Um, you know, that's the way to go. And, hey, you know, one of the things that, you know, my wife and I talk about a lot is um, isn't it great to, to give the gift of experiences, especially with little ones and, and not necessarily all the throwaway toys and things like that that sort of build up as clutter and end up in the trash. You know, Absolutely. an experience that you can give and spend time with people um, rather than, than simply giving a, uh, a gift. Great idea. I don't know about you, Jeff, but I saw a lot of people in my neighborhood, myself included, uh, stringing up Christmas lights uh, over the last couple of days. We've had some nice weather, and like I always say uh, to my wife, you know, why do we wait till it's like 20 below and you got me on the ladder hanging the lights? It's 50 degrees. Let's put the lights up. And uh, ultimately, you know what happens. You put the lights away last year. They all worked. You take them out this year. There's always one string. Uh, there's like a Grinch or something that's in that box. The lights don't work and immediately you think well we can put those right into the recycle bin but that is a no-no with uh, these string lights correct 
Yeah, absolutely. That's a, and they're a big, big issue in the recycling facility. They tangle around the machine. Somebody has to go in and, and cut them out. It creates a dangerous situation. You know, some some scrap metal collectors will take them. They'll strip it out and they'll use the, the metals inside and get some get some money for it. But, you know, ultimately, if you're looking for a, a safe place to put those um, at your house, they go right in the trash. You know, same with any of these long ribbons and, and bows and, and twines that maybe come in packaging. If you can reuse them, great. If you can't, uh, they should really, really go in the trash. So you've got a great saying. You can find out more information at uh, casella.com. When in doubt, throw it out. And that's that's true, and especially with things like the lighting and so forth. And, and, and finally, don't bag your recyclables. You, they need to be – don't put – some people think that you're doing you a favor by putting everything in a single bag, but don't. Just put it right in the bin, right? Yeah, right in the bin. We'll take care of it from there, you know. And, and when in doubt, throw it out is, is absolutely the right message here. You know, people – People tend to, you know, get a, get a little anxiety around, you know, what they're throwing out, what they're recycling. But ultimately, if you're putting things in with your recyclables that aren't actually recyclable, um, you could potentially be contaminating an entire load. And, and then, then we have to deal with that at, um, in a much larger quantity than, than simply throwing it, um, what should be in the trash in the trash. Right. So, you know, I think, you know, if, if you visit the website, there's lots of great tips. You know, we think a lot about, um, you know, we're on the end of the of the receiving line of these things, but a lot of the good work goes in ahead of time. You know, buying that sustainable material, buying high quality goods, you know, giving the gift of experiences as opposed to, you know, oh, geez, just spend $10 on something that's going to break and get thrown out. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a great time. It's certainly not a time that we want to see people stressing out about, what they're doing with their recycling um, on top of all the other stuff, you know. Absolutely. Uh, uh, just a, a quick note before we before we break here, Jeff, I noticed uh, on Facebook you just graduated a class of CDL drivers. I know that's a great program that you've got going on at, uh, at Casella. And uh, c- congratulations to those graduates on to, to new and better things, you know, driving for Casella with their CDL. Do you have another class coming up shortly? Yeah, we're always, you know, we're always enrolling. They're monthly classes. They're, you know, we encourage people to, to hop online, uh, com slash careers, learn more about the CDL co- uh, program. We, I'm, you know, I'm really proud of it. I'm the son of a CDL driver, grew up in trucks. And, you know, to see these folks get through that program free of charge, debt-free career path, um, a lot of our managers are, former drivers, you know, it's it's amazing to see what this program has done. We just graduated our 200th graduate from that program wow. um, in, in three short years. So, you know, it, it's free of charge. You know, your only commitment to us is a, is a year with us, and, and we find that if you make it a year, you're here 25 years in your careers. Wow. Um, a, a great one. So, That's amazing. Somebody yeah, thinking yeah, about, yeah. Uh, you know, they're out of high school and they don't know where to turn. And uh, again, this is, you know, it's a free program. You get your CDL license through Casella, casella.com forward slash careers. Jeff Weld with the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Jeff. And before we go, the age-old question, our poll question here at uh, Travels with Charlie, the green bean casserole, yay or nay on your table? Well, listen, Charlie. I am forever the the one who bring is is focused on bringing people together around issues that might be polarizing. So I say, if you like it, eat it. If you don't, leave it alone. Let the others have a double helping and, and happy Thanksgiving to everyone. And, and if there's any leftover, um, make sure it goes in your compost. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, that, that? That, that's the perfect answer. I think you have a future in politics. Jeff, thanks for joining me here on the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight. Happy Thanksgiving to you. <laughs> All right, happy Thanksgiving. All right, up next, it's Laurie Danforth with Be a Santa to a Senior. Straight ahead, Travels with Charlie, WDEV. The waste and resource management industry is a complex, integrated system that many people and communities take for granted. Trash, recycling, compost, we're all familiar with the terms, but maybe not the truths behind the waste industry. Want to learn more? Beyond the Bin is a podcast by Casella, 
which shines a light on what really happens to our waste and recycling. If you're interested in environmental sustainability and renewable resources, then check out this podcast. You'll learn about waste and recycling, meet members of the Casella team, and one episode even deals with beekeeping. Check it out online at www.casella.com forward slash beyond the bin. Welcome back. Travels with Charlie, your host, Charlie Papillo. I want to give you a quick reminder that the podcast of this show and previous shows, if you miss any of this program, want to hear it, uh, they are on the website, wdevradio.com. My next guest is with Home Instead Services in Shelburne, and their Be a Santa to a Senior program is underway right now. Joining us is Lori Danforth. Lori, good afternoon. Welcome to Travels with Charlie. Well, thank you for having us. Lori, first, if you would tell us a little bit about uh, Home Instead, what uh, that that corporation is. Mm-hmm. So Home Instead is designed to care for older adults in their home or in a facility if they need additional care. So we provide companionship home helper, which is like meal prep, medication reminders, doctor's visits, cooking for them, grocery shopping, laundry, and uh, socializing, companionship, which all of them uh, really appreciate. And then we have personal care services when a client might need a little higher level with bathing, assisting dressing, incontinent care, mobility issues for standby safety. And then we take it to the next level, which is our specialized services, which are more care on the line of Alzheimer's, dementia, um, perhaps maybe they have a Hoyer lift, so it's a uh, 24-7 care in most cases that we come into their home and care for them 24-7. So we've been around for several years, and we've been doing the Be a Santa to a Senior for 20 years. Yeah, congratulations on that. You also, my understanding, you partner with Meals on Wheels, another important thing for seniors out there. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We work very close with Age Well. So it's the 20th anniversary of Be a Santa to a Senior. Uh, tell us about the program because uh, people want to know how they can find out more about it and, and if they want to help, they want to give a gift. Where do they do that? These gift trees are sure. out there. Where do they find them? Well, I will tell you it's been a, uh, an incredible hit this year. Um, I am finding that some of the trees are already emptied from the tags. Wow. We put the tags out the last week of October, and there uh, we service five counties. So we put them in the Kinneys in uh, Chittenden County, Lamoille County, and Addison County. We work for Jens. Uh, PT360 is a big provider, and uh, their tags are out. I already know that. Um, the, uh, the places that they would have to look at this point would be Kinney Drugs. They're the only people that really have tags left. Um, I'm not sure about Essex or the Burlington Kinney Drug location, which is on Shelburne Road. And I did see some tags still at the Shelburne Kinneys. Um, so it's another hit this year. We send letters to the facilities in October and ask them to give us a list from all their residents, so they ask each individual what they would like to get for Christmas, and we get quite a variety. We get either clothes, shoes, slippers, puzzles, crafts, um, stuffed animals, dolls. It's just a variety of everything that they would like, and a lot of lap blankets, pillowcases. Um, If anybody wants to make a donation, we still take gifts here at Home Instead on Shelburne Road. Sometimes tags get picked up. It's rare, but it happens, Mm -hmm. and they don't come back. So we don't ever want a senior to go without a gift. So I always collect if people want to drop by quilts or lap blankets. Um, I just got a donation um, from an outsider, a bunch of lap blankets, so that if, like I said, a tag doesn't come back, they still will get something that will keep them warm and fuzzy. Sure. And those gifts need to be donated by December 10th, correct? And you bring them back to the store where you took the tag from, correct? That is correct. And we do have some people that just drop gifts off here as well, but they can bring them back to the store that they picked them up or the location they picked them up, yes. 
Well, what a great program this is. You know, Lori, so often we think about, uh, you know, they've got the, the Toys for Tots programs and, and, and Christmas is about the kids, but, but when the, you've got these seniors that may not have, uh, family any longer, uh, you know, maybe they don't have anyone to, to think of them. And these are some things that would certainly put a smile on their face on Christmas Day. So uh, thanks for, uh, you know, this be a Santa to a senior program. Yeah, it really does because the facilities always recognize the holidays. So we always try to get the gifts there by the 15th so that they're, they typically have a party and they hand the gifts all out and it's, uh, they do make a big deal with it for us as well. Now, as you mentioned, Lori Danforth with me this afternoon from Home Instead Senior Care in Shelburne and their Via Santa to a Senior program, which it's celebrating their 20th anniversary. It didn't start here in Vermont. This is a, is it, it's national, maybe even international. I don't know. Is it? It's, it, it's a global. It yeah. is. Uh, Home Instead is a global company. And, uh, yeah, they have franchises, uh, also in Europe and they have, you know, South America. It's, it is global. And it was started by the home office and, um, everybody participates. They really make a big deal of it. Well, it's a great program. I want to thank you for joining me this afternoon, Lori Danforth from Home Instead. Lori, if we can talk a little bit about Home Instead uh, for just a, a few minutes longer and let people know about this program that you're running there. You know, so often we think about, you mentioned Alzheimer's and dementia, and so many of us know somebody in our family that that was afflicted with this. And, and it's not just, you know, the patient that is going through. Um, it's it's the family that's trying to, to care for them. So does Home Instead offer any programs or any help for people that are caring for someone with dementia or Alzheimer's or just being a senior? Well, what we do is we do have um, several clients that it's respite for the caregiver. So um, depending on how many hours they want, um, we'll come in for maybe three, five-hour shifts a week, and they can go do what they want to do, whether it's play tennis or run errands or whatever they need their own time for. Go get their nails done. So we call that respite care. Yeah. Which means we're caring for them so they can care for themselves because so many people try to do it on their own and it's really not healthy physically or mentally that they need to take a break and we are trained for that. We train our caregivers to go in and help at that level and also help them so that they're not doing everything and have the time to just sit with their loved one and enjoy their time, not always having to do things for them. So often, Vermont is described as a, a graying state. We we seem to have an older population, a lot of younger people not moving here. We're moving away. Um, so you must be pretty busy, Lori. We are, and with the five counties, we are. It, it is extremely busy, and we also find this time of year is one of our busier times because family do come home and see their loved ones and are surprised how they've transitioned. And we do get a lot of calls this time of year as people come home for Thanksgiving or the holidays. Um, and we, we are fortunate right now that we are able to be hiring um, at a good pace right now, which is, you know, also needed. We need both 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 levels of the spectrum, the sure. client and the caregiver. And what about any kind of volunteer work? Do you look for volunteers at all, Lori? We don't. We don't. Um, you know, they are working when they are there with the uh, clients. So we, we don't look for uh, volunteers. We we make sure all of our uh, caregivers are insured and we background check and we drug test and we, we want to make sure that they're trained. Um, so we're putting through the franchise training uh, before we even put them in with a client. So, Lori, do you or anybody at home instead get a chance to see when these gifts are distributed throughout the counties to these these people, be a Santa to a senior, does anyone from Home Instead get a chance to experience them receiving those gifts and see the look on their faces? I I have um, seen a look on where I was delivering them face one day when they were actually just getting ready to have their party, and I came in with my big bag of uh, goodies, and he was just, his face just went drawn because he was like, oh my gosh, 
he, who I was delivering to, was so excited that they were all right in around a room and they were going to get their gifts right then. Yeah. So I haven't seen a personal, but I get a lot of follow-up from my key contacts that, you know, will have certain moments that they all share. Well, and in this season of giving, it's, as it's often referred to, you know, think about doing this if you uh, have gone to any of the Kinney locations throughout uh, the different counties or PT360 or even at the home instead in Shelburne. You can find out more information online uh, and um, you can make a monetary donation or if you get one of these cards, you know, you're buying specifically for a person. You'll know if it's a male or female uh, and what exactly it is that they want. And you can, as Lori mentioned, uh, put a smile on somebody's face. So, Lori, thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. Now, before you go, you're not off the hook we've been asking our guest this afternoon green bean casserole yay or nay is that a staple uh on the danforth uh, table for thanksgiving it is not it's a nay <laughs> fresh green beans <laughs> thank you Th- you know that's the way i like to wrap things up this afternoon someone that's in agree- in agreement with me why ruin good green beans i love straight green beans maybe you can do them with almonds maybe you just you saute them you steam them they are delicious you don't need to put I don't mean to you, uh, you know, you know, insult anybody, but um, yeah. you you don't need to put anything else on them. They're fine like that, and all no, all the other ingredients are great separately. I love I love the absolutely. you know the, the those little fried onions. They're delicious. I can eat a whole can of them <laughs> if you open them up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I like the straight ring bean. Then I have used almonds a couple times, so that, it does add a touch. Very good, Laurie. Thank you for joining me. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for being here on uh, Travels with Charlie. You as well. Thank you for inviting us. All right. Uh, now, coming up uh, on the next program, we're going to be talking with Scott Milne. That's on December 4th. We're going to be talking about JetBlue leaving Burlington. We're going to be talking about Breeze Airways coming to Burlington. And, of course, big travel season. That's It starts in a couple of days, and it'll go right through. We've got to uh, you know, travel, get away from the cold temps, and head off to the, to the warm temps. Uh, we'll talk with Scott about that and more on the next Travels with Charlie. Travels with Charlie is Brought to you by Casella Waste Systems, Jolly Convenience Stores, Milne Travel, Myers Bagel Cafe. My theme song is written and performed by Billy Bratcher, my executive producer, and my friend Brad Furlan. Running the board today, doing a great job. Danny McGivergan, let's give it up for Danny McGivergan. Uh, I'm Charlie Papillo, and I'll see you in my travels December 4th with Scott Milne. Have a great and happy Thanksgiving.